So it's great to be with you this morning as we continue our series on both and. Uh, if you haven't heard last week's message, can I encourage you to check out our website and, um, and listen to the message Kev brought about both crisis and opportunity. A really timely message for where we're at in our current circumstance. And I want to continue that this morning um, with a, looking at the idea of we are both disciples and disciple makers. They go hand in hand. We can't have one without the other. And I think it's a really timely message, uh, again, in our current climate, that, that we are intentional about how we're living life, but how we're inviting others into the kind of life that, that we have discovered really works because it's a life with Jesus. Um, I don't know if you've realised, but when we discover something good, we naturally want to share it with others. And there's a couple of things... I've noticed just recently, even on social media, I've noticed when toilet paper has turned up in the supermarkets, people are posting about that and they want, they want to let others know that this good thing is available. Um, but also in the supermarkets, check this out. This is what I've discovered. This is Blue Ribbon Caramel Mud Ice Cream. It is the bomb. Um, I've probably put on a few kilos since Christmas uh, because of this stuff. Um, it's really good. I, I encourage you to check it out. But I was also thinking about other things that in the past I've looked at and thought, oh, wow, I've got to tell people about this. And one of them, my favourite movie ever, Forrest Gump. I remember when I saw Forrest Gump for the first time, I just had to tell everyone, you've got to go and see this movie. And, and we do that generally, I think, in, in just how we live life. If there's a, a new song, a new TV show, something on Netflix, we often want to tell people about that. Um, you'll see on the screen too a, a, a photo a photo booth, a phone booth. Um, now what I found out when I was about 10 is that you could manipulate one of these old-fashioned phone booths to make free phone calls. And I can't remember now what you did, but there was a bit of a process you walked through and you could make free phone calls. So we were telling all our mates at school about how to do that. It's this idea that when we discover something we think is good, we want to share it with others. And um, I want to explore that today in terms of living a life as a disciple. See, when it all boils down, um, the sharing of our lives with one another, it really matters most. And we're feeling that right now. When we've been told not to be together, we feel that. Um, and we've got to be creative in how we can be together at these times through technology and social media and things like that. But we understand the importance of being in relationship with one another. It's, it's, it's a key thing. Now, we can look at the biblical story and God's reasoning for even creating us in the first place. It was because of relationship and God exists as relationship within himself in the triune God. Um, even the idea of having a marriage and then having children, even forming friendships, all these things exist because we realise that being in relationship is just so important. But in the midst of that, our lives and our relationships, they don't just happen by chance. They, they, we're actually formed as people. And whether we're aware of that forming or not, there are things that have influence on us as we become the people that we are. Dallas Willard wrote a, a great book called The Divine Conspiracy. And he asked this question in that book. He says, whose disciple are you? Now, the word disciple mightn't seem... Uh, pertinent right now, but, but basically he's saying, who taught you how to live life? Now, when we stop and think about that, 
One thing is for sure, you are somebody's disciple or maybe a bunch of somebody's. There are people who have had influence on you on how you live life, the things you value, the, the, the way you think. Um, it happens to all of us. That's part of that formation process. And so because that's a, a fact for every single one of us, I want to look at this idea of doing life with Jesus as a disciple. Uh, we naturally, when we step into being a disciple of Jesus, we naturally learn to do everything in the name of Jesus. Now, what that means is we do things on his behalf, we do things in his place, as if he himself was doing it. That, that's what it means to step into that relationship uh, with Jesus as a disciple. He, he actually called people to follow me, and that call to follow was what we're talking about with discipleship. Uh, when we look at the church, even today, we often refer to the church as the body of Christ or the hands and feet of Jesus. It's because we are the people doing things in his name, on his behalf. So Paul writes a letter to the Colossians and he touches on this point. Look at what it says in Colossians 3 verse 17. It says, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Another translation in the message takes that same verse and it says this, let every detail in your lives your words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master, Jesus. It really is a, a sobering thought to say that everything about us, our actions, our thoughts, our motives, our words, represent Jesus when we have stepped into a discipleship relationship with him. But further to that, he would then, or we need to learn, that we have to obey all he has commanded. Now, some of us, we, we bristle with that. That idea of obeying someone it doesn't come naturally for many of us. And I think even in the Australian context, there's this resistance to authority. There's this resistance to being told what to do. We may even be seeing a bit of that in our current circumstance with, with people not doing some things that they've been asked. Um, but there's this, again, it goes hand in hand, that obedience goes with being a disciple, which means that there's this willingness to step in and say, I, I, I will sit under the authority of Jesus and I will, I will do what he says because I trust him that he has my best interests at heart. When Jesus talks about this, it's one of the final things he said to his disciples. We know it as the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Look at what he says here. He says, Then Jesus came to them, that's the disciples, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now that, that line about obeying in the message translation, Peterson puts it this way, he says, then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. Instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. Now, as our character is transformed to become more like Jesus, we start to become people who's, who naturally live with God and others in the way that Jesus did. That's the call of the Christian life. But this issue of obedience to do the things that Jesus said to do 
that's actually the central core part of what discipleship is about. So when Jesus finished one of his most famous messages, the Sermon on the Mount, he summarises with a picture of what life can look like in terms of being obedient or disobedient to the instructions on how to live this flourishing life. Look at what he says in Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. He says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Again, I just want to show you the message translation, just to reword this in a way that that highlights, and I think very much even our current situation where it feels like a storm has hit many of us. It says this in the message translation, These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down and the river flooded and a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. And when a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. There's some good images there, isn't there, in terms of what it means to obey, what it means to disobey, the consequences of that. And even right now, there's probably many of you watching this or listening to this who, who feel like um, your foundations have really been rocked. There's been some things taken away from us in our current circumstance. Um, some of our personal freedoms, for some of us it's our employment, for some of us it's uh, our health. There's a whole range of things that have been stripped away. And it's only then we can actually look at what our foundation is truly built on. And, um, and, and as a wise builder or a wise carpenter, Jesus is saying that when we are built on the truth of who he is and what he has done, then there is a solidity to that, that that we can't find anywhere else. But in all of this, obedience is the key. And just before this passage that we just read, Jesus talks about a, a gate and a road to depict what he's meaning in terms of obedience to him. Look, look at this in Matthew 7 verses 13 to 14. We read this. It says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Again, in the message translation, that last phrase, it says, The way to life to God is vigorous and requires total attention. What Jesus is talking about there, that narrow or that small gate and the narrow road is obedience. It doesn't come naturally to us, but when we are willing to step into that, when we're willing to be obedient to the way Jesus calls us to live, trusting that his call for us to live that way is because it is the best thing for us, then obedience is the foundation of that. Um, 
taking that analogy of building life on the rock, when we are obedient to Jesus, we're essentially saying we are building life on solid ground. Um, now, all this stuff can be thrown at us, which we're experiencing, and it's not just our current circumstance. Many of us have, have uh, so many trials that go on in our life currently or have gone on or will go on. Um, and in the middle of all that, we, we really need to be built on the rock so that we are, are not swayed by the, by the things that happen to us in life. So what we're really describing here is discipleship and what the Christian life is all about. So if I'm a disciple of someone, one thing is absolutely necessary. I must be with that person. Now, just think about that. If, if you know someone, they might be an apprentice um, plumber or an apprentice uh, electrician. Um, and so apprentice and discipleship, they're synonymous. And so you can't be an apprentice electrician with someone if you don't turn up. If you're not in their physical space and you're not watching them and listening to them and learning from them regularly over and over and over, and our apprenticeships go for three or four years, interesting that Jesus ministered for three years, um, then there's something in that that just won't work. And so I have to be with the person. Now, Jesus had his disciples with him for three years, as I just mentioned. But when he was no longer able to be with them physically, his solution was perfect. He was able then to be with them spiritually. And when this time came, Jesus said to his disciples, I will be leaving, but I'm going to send you the, the Holy Spirit. And the word that's used there is, is paraclete. And the best translation from the Greek paraclete into English is the alongsider, the one who comes alongside to help and to guide and to counsel. So there's a passage I just want to sit in for a little bit now that, that really speaks to this. And, and why I think this passage is key for us is because it not only speaks to Jesus being with us through his spirit, but it speaks to the link between obedience and discipleship and being with Jesus. So this is out of John chapter 14, verses 15 to 27. Jesus says, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. There's a beautiful picture there, even of how the triune God exists. And then it continues. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. When the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, 
peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Aren't they some great words to, to hear even today? That God is leaving us, Jesus is leaving us with a gift. And that gift is peace of mind and peace of heart. If that is not needed in, in, in massive measures today, I don't know what is. And there's something about the invitation of Jesus to step into relationship with him where we're obedient to the way he calls us to live because he knows that's best for us. And when we do that, he is with us through his spirit. He, he's not separated from us. He's right there that we can lean on as we disciple ourselves to him, as we apprenticeship, apprentice ourselves to him. And, and this peace of mind and heart, don't be troubled, don't be afraid. Regardless of what's going on around us, there can just be, again, this solidity to say, my life is built on something that is unshakable. And it really is a, an encouraging thing. So to, to disciple yourself to someone means to be in a position to learn for yourself what they are already good at doing. Just like the example I used with the plumber or the electrician. So my question then is, what was Jesus good at doing? If we are apprenticing ourselves to Jesus, we are becoming his disciple, we have stepped into his invitation to follow me, what was Jesus good at doing? Now the Gospels reveal the answer to that, answer to that in a number of ways. But basically, Jesus was good at living. He was good at living in relationship with God and others. And Jesus was good at living in the reality of the kingdom of God. And he actually applied the kingdom of God for the good of others. Everything we see about his healings, about his interaction with people, brought, brought wholeness and health and healing and, and, and goodness into the situation. He was good at bringing that for the sake of others. And he made it possible for anybody to step into the reality of kingdom living for themselves. And that's still the case today. You know, to, to, to put it singly, what, what was he all about or what does this mean for us? Um, again, out of that Dallas Willard book, The Divine Conspiracy, he, he makes a very simple but profound statement. He says this, he says, To do all this, I am learning to live my life as Jesus would live my life if he were me. Now, we don't have to live a life like Jesus. We actually can't. We don't live 2,000 years ago in, in the Middle East. So we can't live a life like him. But in relationship with him, we can live a life as, as Jesus would live my life, as Jesus would live your life, as a student, as a parent, as a teacher, as an accountant, wherever you find yourself day to day, if Jesus was in your place, how would he live that out? What decisions would he make? What motives would he have? What interactions would he, would he be part of? How would he respond? What words would he speak? All those things are actually possible for us to step into because he is with us physically through our spirit. He's here with us. And so he, he leads us and guides us in those things. So Jesus invited people into his life we think of the 12 disciples particularly, so they could learn to live life the best way possible in relationship with God and one another 
And by doing this, they were actually charged to do that for others. And this is where that Great Commission comes in. We are disciples who are called to make disciples. As I said right at the beginning, when we discover something good, we naturally want to share it with others. And the life that Jesus offers, I can't think of anything better. Um, You've heard me say this before. My own story is I would say I've been a Christian for over 30 years, but a follower of Jesus for the last 10. That there was something shifted for me in terms of of what it means to live a life in obedience to Jesus. Now, am I perfect at that? No way in the world. Got a long way to go, but that's part of discipleship. An apprentice, when they're taught something for the very first time, does not do that perfectly every time going forward. We, we know that in the natural, and we've got to have a little bit of grace in ourselves um, in our lives when we realise we don't always get it right, but there is this ongoing ongoing um, transformation process that's taking place. So we are called to be disciples who make disciples by living in the reality of the kingdom of God in such a way that it is attractive to others, that the way our life operates is attractive to people, particularly in terms of how we respond to crisis and how we respond when things don't go well and, and the way we engage with other people and we're not self-centered, all those things become attractive. So as followers of Jesus, as we live our lives in this way, where we're genuine and there's integrity, we can then invite people to you know, come in and actually explore what that could look like for themselves. But it starts with being with people. Now, in our current situation... Being physically with people is a little bit difficult, but this won't always be the case. But as Kev mentioned last week in his message, there's something we can do really intentionally to be connecting with people, even though we're physically isolating. We're actually not socially isolating, we're physically isolating. Um, And when we spend time with people, one thing that needs a bit of attention is just some honest discussion around the core beliefs that people hold about God, about our world and even about themselves. And when we can start to have those conversations, when we can start to look at what are those core beliefs that shape who I am and how I think and what I do, and then we can bring God into that picture just through conversation, there's something really beautiful in that. So what would it look like in our current season, in our current situation on the 29th of March, 2020, where we're isolating and and we're not doing life as we normally have done it, What could it look like for for you and for me to intentionally spend some time in a safe and improved way, spend some time with our friends, our neighbours, our family to explore some of those core beliefs that people hold, maybe some fears or some hopes that they have in their life, or or maybe even some barriers that exist that, that are currently preventing people from even exploring what a life with God could look like. So I want to finish with a couple of keys, Um, just some keys to disciple making because it's both and. We're not just called to be a disciple, we're called to be both a disciple and a disciple maker. And so I want to start with the the first key and I I think it is belief, that you believe that there is not a better way to live as a disciple of Jesus. 
Maybe you've explored a whole bunch of things for yourself and this is where you've landed. Maybe you know no different, but there's a core belief that says, I can't think of a better way to do life than to be doing life with Jesus. Now, Jesus speaks to this in a pretty profound way. There's two really short parables that he, he speaks in Matthew chapter 13. And um, just, just try to get what he's, what he's picturing here in terms of when you find something that's valuable, when you find something that's good, that you will do anything you possibly can to, to grab hold and be part of that. Look at this, in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. There's something I think really profound just in those three verses, those two short parables where Jesus is just implying to us, actually imploring us to say, if you see the value in what I'm offering, a life with God that works, a life with others that works, a life where there is peace and hope and joy, regardless of the circumstances around us, and we're invited into that freely, and Jesus has done everything that's needed for that to even take place, then it makes sense that we would do whatever is in our means to, to grab hold of that, to enter that, to be part of that. So I think the first key really is about belief, that, that for a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, there is this core, fundamental, deep-held belief that there is not a better way to live. And so if that's our first position, our second position out of that is our intention. Now, there's this idea that it, it won't just happen to us through, through um, wishful thinking. We have to be intentional about how we structure our lives for this to take place. And so if you intend to live as a disciple of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, and you, and you organise your life so that it works like that, and then when life is operating in that way, you intentionally and just authentically live like that in front of others. In your home, in your workplace, in your school, in your university, wherever we find ourselves, we actually live this out intentionally. We've, we've talked about this before. Too, too often we've reduced our, our Christian faith to a private matter that, that we often either hide or are really reluctant to, to talk about or show in front of others. But our intentionality in this space is one that, no, I'm not, I'm not hiding this. You know, that, that great passage out of Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16, the salt and the light. And in the message translation, it, it says, you know, we're going public with this. We're not hiding it. It's like a, like a city on a hill. Um, that's, the, that's the intentionality space we need to have as we follow Jesus ourselves. And we do that for the sake of others. We do that so others can actually see what a life with Jesus looks like. And that leads me to the third key, which I think is, is transformation. This idea that our time spent with Jesus personally results in us becoming more and more like him in our nature and our character and our responses and our thoughts. 
And so as people are spending time with me, with you, with us, they will start to see Jesus more and more in our lives. And I'm absolutely convinced that they will want to step into that because there is no one more compelling, more attractive, more beautiful, more more everything than Jesus Christ. And as Jesus' character and nature starts to live in us and through us, as he is transforming us as, as a disciple ourselves, but then we are living in the community intentionally like that, we will start to see lives be transformed. Um, not, not only lives being transformed for their own sake, but again, for the sake of those around us. So as, we, as, I, as I finish this morning, um, I just want you to consider what it looks like to not just rest on the, on, the, on the idea of that I'm a personal disciple and it's just about me and my salvation and my relationship with God. Yes, that's true, but all that exists for the sake of others. So we are called to be disciples who make disciples. It's both and. And so the fruit of this, what's the result of a life like this? It's actually a life where there is peace and joy, regardless of our circumstances. There's actually a life where there is grace and love, grace to ourselves, grace to others, love for others, putting others first. And what, whatever happens to us, whatever happens in our life, the trials, the tribulations, the disappointments, the tragedies, the joys, the, the, everything that is part of the human existence, we end up having this life that's built, as we looked earlier, on solid rock. And that solid rock is Jesus, the person of Jesus. It's the indwelling Holy Spirit. It's a truth that Jesus shared 2,000 years ago, but it's a truth that still resonates for us today. And, and you and I can live into that. So can I ask you as I close, what would it look like for you in your own personal discipleship to be really intentional about how do I live that out for the sake of others? How do I be a disciple who makes disciples? And the fruit of all of this is that it's a life of peace and joy. It's a life of grace and love. And all these things are others focused. All these things are about how can I be a presence of Jesus in my context so that others can know Jesus. And, and what a timely message for us. In a time when people are feeling pressure, people are feeling like life is falling apart, people who had hope in a whole, whole number of things such as job security and finances and stock markets and, and even our own health, as all those things crumble, we're left with a foundation that says life in Jesus is safe and secure regardless of our circumstances. So can I encourage you to consider that this week? Can I encourage you to have some conversation with, with neighbours, with friends, with family and, and start exploring what, what are the core beliefs that they hold? And how can we just naturally, through conversation and being present, introduce the idea that the life with Jesus is actually the best thing available to us as human beings? So I encourage you this week, um, in whatever life looks like at the moment, probably a bit different to what it looked a, a couple of weeks ago, um, just to touch base with one another, to, to go deeper in your connection with God personally, and just allow him to continue to build us as a community where we are disciples who make disciples. Would you pray with me? So Father God, I thank you that you call us into relationship with yourself. 
And you do that because not only you, not only because you love us intimately and deeply, but you know what is best for us as, as human beings, as your children. And when we step into the life that, that you have designed for us, there is something in that, that that is not tangible, but there's something that is just so secure. Um, it, it's so uh, affirming that, that our life is one of, of just intimate connection with our Creator, with our Sustainer, with our Saviour, with our Lord. But we can do life better with one another in that space as well. So God, I, I pray for the people who have been affected by the, the current situation with COVID-19 and and have lost things, have lost employment, have lost health, have lost connection. I pray that through your spirit, because you are Emmanuel, you are God with us, through your spirit, you would bring those things that you say you bring. You would bring peace, peace of mind and peace of heart. You would bring joy in the midst of affliction. You would bring hope. You would bring perseverance. You would bring love for others that would just flow out of us so that others would know you the way that many of us know you. So God, would you be in this space with us this week? And we thank you in advance for what you are doing in your church and what you're doing around the world, despite the circumstances that are forced on us. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.